Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, book lovers. My name is Em, and I want to talk about books and cats. So, full disclosure, today I had to do a quick change of plans. Today was supposed to be an interview episode, but I was unable to do that. So, I love a good scary story, real or fake. I'm definitely interested in true crime stories, and Stephen King has been my favorite author since I was way too young to be reading Stephen King. I'll discuss his work someday, but that will take a lot more thought and research, and is definitely not something I'm prepared to talk about today. I will say that one memory I have that always gives me the Halloween feeling is the first time I read Salem's Lot. It's not my favorite of Stephen King's books, but that one truly scared me the first time I read it. I was young, it was late at night, which is my favorite time to read, and I was sitting on the couch, which was right in front of our windows. Our windows did not have curtains that covered them, and they looked out onto the pure blackness that was nighttime where I grew up. No streetlights, no moon that night, just nothing but dark. So then I get to the part in the book where the vampire is scratching at the window and begging to be let in. I can still feel the chills that I felt at that moment. So I'll always have a soft spot in my heart for Salem's Lot. I also had the benefit of not having seen any of the movie versions at that point. And the movie versions really just made that whole story cheesy. Like, I know it was a vampire story, so kind of cheesy anyway, but I don't know. I thought it was scary until I saw the movies. Okay, so since I don't have a book prepared to talk about today, I found an article on Mental Floss that covers 14 legends and folklore based on cats. And so we're going to talk about it. Okay, so this is an article from 2017 by Meg Van Hygen, and I'm super excited to read this because I love cats and folklore. All right, so number one, they'll steal your baby's breath. I definitely heard this one when I had babies. So for centuries, people in England believed that a cat was going to climb into an infant's crib and suck the child's breath until it suffocated and died. In some versions, they say it's because the cat is jealous because... Now the baby is receiving all of the attention. And then in other versions, they say it's not jealousy, but just that the baby smells like milk. In 1971, a jury at a coroner's inquest in Plymouth, England, found a cat guilty of infanticide in this way. This has been a persistent myth that followed emigrants to the New World. Uh, In 1929, the Nebraska State Journal printed an alleged report of a doctor who said he'd witnessed a house cat lying on the baby's breast, a paw on either side of the babe's mouth, and the cat's lips pressing those of the child, and the infant's face as pale as that of a corpse, its lips with the blueness of death. Personally, I don't think any of that is is reasonable unless you have a real malicious cat. My cats loved my babies. They'd lay near them, but not on them. Okay, number two, legends and folklore. They'll eat you for Christmas dinner. 
So this comes out of Iceland, where apparently they have some pretty savage Christmas stories. It seems that children in Iceland grow up in fear of the ferocious Yule Cat. There is a name for the Yule Cat, but there is no way that I'm going to be able to pronounce it correctly. So we're just going to call him Yule Cat. The Yule Cat prowls around the frozen countryside around Christmas time, looking for humans to eat. But this giant bloodthirsty cat monster isn't looking to make naughty children into his meal. He's got an eye for fashion and is looking for people, kids, adults, whatever, who aren't wearing fine new clothes for Christmas Eve. Apparently, farmers tell this tale to their workers as an incentive to finish processing wool before autumn comes, so everyone can get their new clothes made before the slob-eating Christmas cat shows up. This fable isn't even that old. It's from... It first appeared in print in the 19th century and wasn't popularized until the early 20th century. Okay, cat folklore number three. They cause the Black Death. So, in the Middle Ages, cats were commonly thought of as beasts with the same magical powers as witches and warlocks, and obviously they were, you know, working hand-in-hand with Satan. A cat's bite was thought to be poisonous, as was its flesh, and if you breathed its breath, you'd be infected with consumption, which was also known as tuberculosis. Uh, They could make your beer go sour if they felt like it. They blamed cats for everything. So when the bubonic plague swept through the European continent in the 14th century and killed up to 60% of the population, some regions naturally assumed that the devil was responsible and his handiwork was attributed directly to his feline minions. Huge numbers of cats, especially black ones, which, shame on you, were destroyed during this wave of the plague, and some of their owners were destroyed as well. Apparently they also blame snakes, but this is a Books and Cats podcast, not a Books and Snakes podcast. So this was actually a big mistake, because the actual distributor of the plague was the Oriental Flea, which lives on rats. And with dramatically fewer cats and snakes, to keep their numbers in check, the rat population exploded. And so did the plague. Number four. They're lucky but only in certain colors, amounts of toes, and levels of cuteness. So the Japanese believe that cats are lucky, because they're smart, but they do have a lot of qualifiers. The Maneki Neko, or Beckoning Cat, is an iconic Japanese talisman that, it's believed, brings good fortune to its owner, usually in the form of cash. One legend explains that Japanese cats once waved a paw to beckon a lord into a house, which saved him from being struck by lightning a moment later, and so the cat who beckons with her paw is considered a lucky gesture. So start teaching your cats how to beckon. Apparently, tortoiseshell cats are considered lucky in Japan, um, especially the rare male ones, which I didn't know that tortoiseshell cats were usually female, so that's pretty interesting. There is a Buddhist belief that says a cat with a dark coat brings promises of gold, while a light-colored cat brings silver. Interesting. All right, Edward, step it up. I like that at least in that one, the black cats are not considered bad luck. Uh, in Russia, the Russian blue cats are considered lucky. Those are a pretty, pretty cat. I love Russian blues. Uh, And apparently many cultures think that a polydactyl cat, which is one that has extra toes, is a good luck charm. And it's said that early sailors who went to America would bring many toed cats with them to ensure safe travels, which is why there's still an influx of polydactyl cats in New England today. 
quite a while ago, my husband and I took a trip to Key West, and we got to take a tour of Ernest Hemingway's house there, which was pretty awesome. But the most awesome part was that he loved cats, and so there are all of these cats that belong to the Hemingway household and are just kind of allowed to free, freely roam around the property, and there's like 60 of them or something. There's a lot of them. And because they've all been there and bred, they all have multiple toes at this point. So we were with a bunch of people that were really interested in his furniture, um, and my husband and I were all about the cats. So that was a fun trip. Okay, number five. They're scorned women in disguise who like to feast upon newborn babies. Interesting. This one's from the Bible. So apparently Adam's sassy, insubordinate ex-wife Lilith is mentioned in the book of Isaiah in reference as a much older demonic figure who likes to eat babies. But apparently she can also turn into a cat. According to some Sephardic Jews, Lilith was also known as El Brusha, a demon who eats babies and takes a giant black polymorphous cat-shaped form. Hmm. She likes newborns best and stalks them in the night, draining them of every drop of blood. Vampire style. Number six. They're basically living urns for human souls. So a certain sect of Buddhism once believed that when you die, if you're holy enough, your soul is transferred to a cat for safekeeping. In this way, special souls lived in a sort of feline purgatory, and when the kitty died, the chaste soul would ascend to paradise. I think that's a pretty cool idea, because I've always said that if I was going to be reincarnated, I want to be a house cat. They have the most luxurious life. Number seven, they haunt the Celtic countryside, or at least one of them does. So in ancient Scottish and Irish folklore, an oversized black cat with a white patch on its chest, called the cat Sith, skulks around at night looking for souls to steal. At wakes and funerals, various distractions are supplied to deter or distract the cat, such as catnip or loud music. A fire also never burned in a room with a corpse, since every cat loves to curl up by a warm fireplace. So this cat isn't huge, it's the size of a dog, um, and apparently it's also secretly a witch that can turn into a cat, but she can only do it nine times, which I'm assuming is where we get the nine lives thing. Uh, the cat Sith wasn't all bad, though. Each year on the Gaelic festival of Samhain, Halloween, saucers of milk were left outside for her, and she'd bless the houses in return. However, if you didn't leave a saucer of milk for the sorceress, you'd be cursed, and all of your cow's milk would dry up. All right, folklore number eight. They can talk, carry coffins, and form a monarchy. So another black cat with white patches is in the British fable The King of Cats. So a sexton who's digging a grave spies a group of nine black cats with white spots on their chests, carrying a miniature cat-sized coffin with a crown resting on it. One of the cats tells the man to tell Tommy Tildrum that Tommy Toldrum is dead. The astonished man returns home to his wife and relays the news, while their house cat keeps interrupting his story with frantic meows. The couple ignores him, and they continue discussing the strange occurrence. Finally, at the end, the man asks his wife if she knows who Tommy Tildrum is, so he can tell Tommy that Timmy has died. Whereupon the cat cries out in the king's English, What? Old Tim dead? Then I'm the king of the cats! 
At this, the house cat, who is named Old Tom, scrambles up the chimney, never to be seen again. <laughs> That's a fun one. Number nine, they can predict the weather. Or rather, by watching them, you can predict the weather. The English believe that a cat who claws at the curtains or the carpets is predicting windy weather. And the Welsh believed that rain was coming when a cat's pupil broadened. Apparently, rain is also told, foretold if a cat is busily washing its ears. Also, if a cat continually looks out the window on any day, or sleeps with all four paws tucked under its body, or sleeps on its back, then it's going to rain. So basically, if a cat does anything, it's going to rain. Doesn't seem super helpful. Number 10. They live in the sea and cause storms. So superstitious fishermen in the British Isles might throw a bit of fish back into the sea for the cat. So this mythical cat was a woman who knew more than a Christian should, a.k.a. a witch, who went sailing with her fiancé, who was a fisherman. She cursed the whole fleet during the voyage by calling up a storm to wreck the ship. Apparently some of the crew members thought it was unlucky to have a woman on board and wanted her to be drowned. So they kind of created their own bad luck there. So after her revenge upon the crew members, she's turned into a four-eyed cat who haunted the ocean, and the fishermen still throw her a morsel of food to appease her so that she won't call up a storm and sink their ships. Apparently, they also believe that if a cat falls overboard, a storm will show up and the ship will be capsized. Cats don't like water, you know? Number 11. They can transfer their faces to unborn babies. What? So, in a few different areas of Europe, it was thought to be ill-advised for a pregnant woman to pick up a cat or let it sleep in her lap. In Portugal, it was said that a cat will afflict a baby with a wart or a mole, usually a hairy one. In England, it was thought the baby will either be born with a cat-shaped birthmark or with the face of a cat. Those are two very different things, cat-shaped birthmark or being born with the face of a cat. It makes me think of those uh, cat people from the Doctor Who episode. I loved them. Number 12. They work for the devil. I mean, I think we've already covered this, but sure. Again, medieval people thought that cats were the devil's personal soul courier. The three hairs on the tip of a cat's tail were said to be the devil's hairs, which compelled them to stay up all night prowling. In the American South, it's thought that anyone who drowned a cat would be punished by the devil himself. And for the lesser crime of kicking a cat, he'd give you rheumatism. Early Christians also believed that if a cat sat on a grave, the soul of the deceased was possessed by Satan. And if you see two cats fighting on a grave during a funeral or near a dying person, it's believed that they were, in fact, an angel and a devil fighting over that person's soul. Number 13. They are cacti and they like to drink booze. This list is getting crazier. So, about a century ago, the tall tales in the Pueblo and Navajo country in northern Mexico and Arizona describe a living, moving, breathing cat-shaped cactus with needles in place of fur and two sharp blades for forelegs. Oof, that sounds vicious. <laughs> the cactus cat liked to go around slashing the bases of real cacti with its knife paws to let the milky juices collect and ferment into pluque. It would do this to 80 cacti at a time specifically. Once his work was done, the creature would return to the beginning of the circuit, get drunk on the pluque inside the cacti, then go around causing trouble in the region, swiping at cowboys and leaving telltale red welts. You don't want to mess with a drunk cactus cat. That's terrifying. Number 14. They're just mystical beings in general. Many cultures, obviously, after listening to this list, believe that cats are mystical creatures. 
The Egyptians considered them deities, while up north every Norwegian forest cat is supposedly thought to be either a fairy or a goblin in disguise. They're linked to all kinds of tales of magic and the soul, and I think it's just because they're such, like, good, pure creatures. Like, they really are either an angel or a devil, you know, emotional. They're sweet and happy and friendly one second, and then they're ripping your hand open and attacking you the next, you know? So that is 14 different little stories of how cats fit into folklore and legends. I found it pretty interesting and definitely learned a couple of new things that I hadn't heard before. I'm glad that most of those stories really revered cats as the amazing, like, mystical beings that they are, as opposed to perpetuating the, you know, cats are evil and especially black cats are evil notions, because black cats are the best. And all cats are just wonderful little furballs. So speaking of black cats, I want to talk a little more about my cat, Weird. His full name is Ed Weird, but we call him Weird, and he responds to it, so he's weird. It's a well-earned name, trust me. So what I want to know is, what is your favorite cat feature? There's a lot of them, and I know that, you know, specifically, if you're talking about one certain cat you'll have a different favorite feature than if you're doing kind of a broad generalization, like their cute little noses or their little toes. Um, So my favorite feature on Weird is surprisingly not his luxuriously fluffy black tail that looks like an exclamation point. He is probably the handsomest cat I've ever owned. I love black cats. And not only is he pure black, but he is also my only fluffy cat. Tanza was a fluffy cat as well. She was my first long-haired cat ever. And Weird is my second. And he has the most beautiful fur. He takes really good care of himself. And he has this beautiful, fluffy black tail that stands straight up, and it looks like an exclamation point. So that should be my favorite feature. But he's got one that's cuter. Hard to believe, but it's true. So because he's so fluffy, he has what I like to call fur pants. So when he is walking away, when he walks, he kind of looks like he's strutting, which is really funny. And especially if he's like running, but not super fast. So he's just kind of prancy. But when he walks, it makes his little butt shake. And he has such fluffy back legs that he looks like he's wearing fur pantaloons. So my favorite cat feature is Edward's fur pantaloons. So I would love to hear what your favorite cat features are. So send me a message, Instagram or email books.cats.pod at gmail.com. And tell me about your cats. Tell me about books you like. Tell me about Halloween stories or weird Halloween facts that you know. I'm up for anything, and I'll share some of it on the show. Also, keep an eye out for merch, because pretty soon there's going to be some funny cat t-shirts and also some journals so you can write down notes about whatever book you're reading or maybe something cute that your cat's doing. So that's what's coming up, and until next time, keep reading.